We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. mentioned in episode 462 that I'm doing a new training program called How to Be a Transformative Principal. It's for those who are in their first three years of being a principal or assistant principals or aspiring principals who want to level up their game right now. Join me at jethrojones.com slash how the number two B. How to be. We'll see you there. That's jethrojones.com slash how to be. Welcome to Transformative Principle. Today, I am excited to have Matthew Moyer on the program. He is a principal in Pennsylvania. And I'm excited to have him because we had him on a while ago, and uh, he has since received his National Distinguished Principal Award and his Pennsylvania Principal of the Year Award. Uh, He's an elementary principal with over 17 years of experience in administration, over 23 years in education. In addition to his job as principal, he's an author, national speaker, adjunct professor, and staff developer with Tom Stetcher and Associates. Matt started as a fifth grade teacher in the Springford Area School District. He was then assistant principal for three years, and now he's in Pottstown School District. He's in his 16th year as principal. Actually, is it 17th now? 17th now. 17th year. He's in his 17th year as principal of Rupert, and he absolutely loves it. So, Matt, welcome to Transformative Principal. Happy to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. 
Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit, first of all, about your National Distinguished Principal Award and Pennsylvania Principal of the Year. We talked about it a little bit on the last time we had the podcast, but um, it, COVID made it so you couldn't really uh, experience that. So, so what was that celebration like and how did that make you feel to be recognized for your efforts? So, uh, you know, it was delayed gratification, right? Yeah. Uh, it's supposed to, supposed to have taken place in October 2020, and it happened during the National Principals uh, Summer Institute. So they combined two uh, different events into one. So it was, it was wonderful. It was a great opportunity for me to finally meet uh, all of the other National Distinguished Principals and get to know them and get to hear their stories. Um, and that was one of the most inspirational pieces is each, uh, as part of the process, each person does a two minute speech. Um, I will say we have some timekeeping problems because they were way longer than two minutes. Yeah. people. <laughs> but they were stories worth listening to. So each one of them got up and, and told their story a little bit about their school or about, you know, some work that they have done or something that was meaningful. And it was very inspirational to hear all the different stories from, you know, folks all around the, the country um, and around the world a little bit too. They have a few folks from, you know, outside of the, the you know, continental United States who were there um, and, you know, hearing some of the amazing work that they do and some of the ways they've turned around schools and some of the, honestly, the, the one person that stood out was someone that had a huge tragedy in her life. She lost her daughter when she was principal and she told the story of that and how her community rallied around her and turned this into an opportunity and how she grew professionally from it and grew a, uh, you know, a nonprofit in addition to, to her work as a principal. So it was really very inspirational and uh, an opportunity for me to, uh, you know, engage with a lot of other principals, which is something we don't get the chance to do often. You know, we're very, very busy as every principal is um, just doing the work we have to do every day. And uh, we don't get out for me, uh, uh, Pottstown, Pennsylvania. I don't get out of Pottstown, Pennsylvania to talk to principals very often. So it was just a great opportunity to hear and be inspired. You know, I I don't feel like I'm worthy of the honor after hearing all of the great things that everyone else was doing. So I've got to, I've got up my game and, and be better, you know, to really live up to the expectations, I think, of the group and what they're all doing. Well, and the thing is, is you can be in a small district and you can, meet with people there and then you can expand your horizons through social media and get some connections there, but building relationships and having something in common with other people is so powerful. And, uh, Byron Darnell, who, uh, is the associate commissioner of education in Kentucky when he was a principal was in my mastermind. And he said that isolation is a choice that you can choose to be isolated. And some people do choose that, but sometimes it's really tough to not be isolated. And so that's where you've got to reach out, connect with other people and find ways to to get that support. And like I said, that's why I created the mastermind for that express purpose. And I help people do that all the time. And it's such a powerful way, like what you said, imagine having, having that happen every week instead of just once per year or once per 15 years since you haven't gone to the principal's conference every single year. So um, so you're also a an author and you've written... Um, now a second uh, book in a series of stories about a little guy named David. So tell us about that book series and I'll link to the other episode where you talked about the first one and, uh, and the, but we can talk about this new book that you've got out. Sure. So this one's called uh, the adventures of David and Donald. It's called basketball bewilderment. And so, you know, my real focus in, in these books is to provide uh, you know, an opportunity for me to have a creative outlet for one thing, um, just because it's something fun to do and to try to do something uh, 
that uh, not a lot of people do, you know, a chance to write, write a book, but also a, a tool that can be used by parents and teachers um, because they all, each one of these books um, focus on social emotional learning skills. So in this particular story, it's a story based on some real things in my real life, uh, but based on things that lots of kids have in their life. In this case, the teams aren't fair and that frustrates uh, the kids. And how do you solve that problem? And that's a common problem that uh, kids have today and a great learning opportunity. And it kind of goes through the process of how, how do we figure out what to do when we're frustrated? Um, and, you know, there's different things that we can do. We can show our angry and aggressive voice and yell and scream and holler. Um, and that doesn't work too well because our friends aren't going to want to play with us very much. We can use our passive voice, which allows the teams to just continue to be unfair. And we're not happy about that. And that's no good. Or we can use our assertive voice. And that's one of the, the SEL skills that I think is very important is our assertive voice, learning how to be assertive uh, without being aggressive. And that's really the, one of the big messages from this book is how do you assert yourself to say, hey, I don't like that these teams in this case aren't fair. Let's try to make them more fair and we'll all have more fun that way. And, you know, there's a series of questions at the end that uh, a parent or a teacher could use. And I'm actually planning uh, this week already and uh, going into some classes uh, to read uh, my books a little bit to them. It's a it's an opportunity that is optional for my teachers if they chose to choose to do so to to actually mm -hmm. give them about a half an hour break so I can come in and do an SEL lesson with their class and use the books that I've I've written to do that. So that's a lot of fun for me, a good opportunity. And uh, I hope people will find them to be, you know, fun books, informative books, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, a book that's just uh, a tool and, and, and entertaining as well. And I, I do have to give a shout out to my uh, illustrator because I can't draw anything yeah. except for stick figures. So thank goodness for a wonderful teacher, actually. Her name is Katie Kulong. She teaches at my building and she just did an amazing job with both books of just getting my vision and being able to put it down. I don't give her a whole lot of direction and she just takes off and she nailed it again in this one um, with a particular style that I'm looking for. You know, this is a yeah. really a hand drawn kind of look, which is what I wanted for this particular book um, and this series um, because I have, uh, well, I actually have another book coming out in December. That's a totally different thing. That is more of a, a different look to it and a different, um, you know, series, maybe a series, maybe not a series, maybe just one. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that book is going to be about kindness because I think that, uh, I was looking for a good book to read my students in school about kindness and couldn't find quite what I was looking for. So I thought, well, I guess I'll have to write it. There you go. If I were to ask you what it was that made you win the, uh, Pennsylvania principal of the year and the national distinguished principal, what was it that you would say is, is the thing that, that you were known for, for that? Well, I guess um, if I had to pick something, I would say it's relationships. And I, I think relationships are critical for everyone, but critical for the principalship. And so, you know, it's really important to me. It's one of my you know, fundamental beliefs is building relationships with everyone. And as a principal, you have a lot of different groups to build relationships with. My students, first and foremost, uh, the teachers at my building, the families that come to my building. Um, but not just those folks, the families and our community, because it takes a whole community. So I think that was probably one of the things that I'm um, known for in Pottstown is uh, relationships and uh, building those and understanding how to work with a lot of different people. So I guess that would be the thing I would kind of highlight and I would encourage every principal to do is to build strong relationships all around. And they, that, that helps everything that we do, you know, and that's a give and take. I, you have to be a servant. 
um, to other folks to build those relationships. Um, I give and uh, give a lot and then hope I, I uh, receive when, when needed. Um, you know, I ask for help when needed, but I'm willing to give help and step up and do uh, what's needed to be done. So um, I guess that's the thing I would highlight as a, you know, something important. Yeah, that's, that's really good. So that's a great piece of advice to build relationships. And sometimes we have a hard time with that because we, uh, we have these, you know, expectations of how people should act, or we think, you know, everybody should think like us or whatever. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer, a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval, one book that says stop talking and start doing with regard to teacher well-being, and much more. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. So being a servant is one good strategy. What other strategies would you say help you build relationships? Well, I think you hit on it very much is meeting people where they're at and different people are at different places. And, and also understanding that most time we should anticipate good intentions. And sometimes people have a, a, a difficulty with that. You know, most people have good intentions. They don't always come across that way. But, you know, when you have a disagreement, oftentimes it's just, you know, for instance, with a parent, uh, they have good intentions for their child. They love their child. They want the best for their child. Maybe we don't always see eye to eye on that and we have to find a way to get there. Likewise with teachers. Teachers have the best intentions in mind and sometimes how they want to get there is not exactly the right way or the way we want. So, you know, you come across with those, those best of intentions. And, you know, one of the things that we've done a lot of work with and I've done a lot of work with in staff development and things is understanding some different cultures. And in, in my community, there's a high level of generational poverty. And you have to understand that culture and where those people come from. It's not that folks from, in this case, generational poverty are somehow less intelligent than folks like me who come from a middle-class culture. It's just that the cultures are different. And we have to understand that culture and that can help build those bridges to those relationships and understanding everyone comes from a different culture, whether that's, you know, poverty or, you know, in some people's culture, the way they greet everyone is with a hug and in other people's culture, they never hug anyone. And understanding those differences and that everyone and respecting those differences. And that's okay. Those differences are okay. We can still find a, a way to work together toward a common goal, even though we might have some differences like that. Yeah. You know, I recently interviewed uh, Kim Bearden, who's the co-founder of Ron Clark Academy in Atlanta, Georgia. And she talked about uh, the importance of bringing in people to your culture and explaining what our culture is like instead of just assuming that everybody has the same cultural beliefs. And so I think that that piece is really powerful that it's not about saying, well, generational poverty is bad and you should be more middle class. Like that's not what we're going for. Being a different from a different country is bad and you should be more American. 
being a different race is bad and you should be more white. That's not what we're saying at all. It's about explaining this is the culture that we have in our school and here's how we expect people to act. Now, because I respect you, I'm going to invite you to act in this way in our culture and I'm also going to ask ask you how you think we should act in this culture as well. So that it's not just you have to do what I say. It's not about control. It's about us building that culture together and recognizing that we want something great to happen in our schools, but that it's not all just on the teacher or on the principal, but that we all make up that culture. What would you add to that? Well, I mean, I think that's a wonderful point and understanding, you know, one of the mistakes I made early on as a young principal was thinking that my way of thinking was the only way of thinking or my culture in this particular case and understanding that I can respect you. We may not always agree on those, on certain things, you know, for example, you know, one of the things that I, I would say early on is, you know, to, to my students, if they would uh, hit someone, well, there's never a good reason to hit someone. You should never do that. And for some folks in their culture, that's not always the case. You need to right. do that in certain places. And I respect and understand that now and that the conversation looks a lot different. Well, let's talk about how in this area, in this school, we can help you so you don't feel the need to do that because we have lots of supports here that will help you. But I understand in the block, on the block, in your community, you may need to sometimes because you have to, you know, that's a, that might be a necessary thing as an example. So yeah, respecting other people, respecting what they what their opinions are and what their culture is and and getting to a place where in our school we will respect that no matter what even if we you know can't always understand it we're going to work to understand it and work to understand it together and uh, you know being open and receptive to that and and welcoming enough cannot be said about a welcoming office at your school um, and having the right person at that um, which for you know for all of us is usually our secretary and having that welcoming atmosphere where that person who is critical to the success of your school makes every person that walks through that door feel welcomed and feel respected no matter what they look like or what or what they you know whatever it may be um, and I think in our in our schools uh, that is uh, something I've experienced in some schools that is not welcoming in some places is that office area. And so, you know, finding one of the things we have to do as principals is hire the right people. And in this particular case, I think sometimes some people uh, look at the wrong skills, uh, for example, for who is the the person that's going to be the face of your school. And the face of my school is the school secretary. We only have one of them. We're a small office and making sure that's the right person to do that and making every person feel welcome when they come in and respected for, for you know, what they bring into our community. Um, and giving those opportunities uh, to bring those folks in to our community when the opportunity arises so they can help us to understand better where they're coming from. Yeah, I, I want to go back a little bit to that example of uh, the kids fighting. And that's an area where we do teach in schools that we shouldn't fight and there's no reason to fight. And when I moved to uh, Fairbanks, Alaska, half of my students came from the army base that was right next door to our school. And these kids' parents were literally going across the world uh, to fight with other people for their job. And so I had a lot of interesting conversations about not there's never a right time to fight, but really you have to understand when the right time to fight is. And I couldn't argue with that from the parent perspective of, you know, there, there are reasons why it's okay to fight with someone. Not to mention a lot of these parents would also 
watch the MMA fights and the cage fighting all the time on pay-per-view on the weekends, they'd have these big parties. And, you know, that just wasn't something that I grew up with. So I didn't, I didn't totally understand that, but it was really fascinating hearing those conversations, talking through what it means in different situations. And I mean, those parents, it's not like they were against me saying, don't fight with kids at school. They totally supported that. But they said, if somebody's bullying someone and my kid steps in, then that's what I want him to do. If somebody's hurting someone else and my kid steps in, then and they hurt the other kid, then you know that that's how I'm teaching my kids to to stand up for people who can't stand up for themselves. And that that was a point of honor with them, not a point of potential discipline. And you know, I'm I'm still not sure exactly when those things are okay and when they're not, but I, I appreciate having conversations with parents about that and trying to understand their perspective and what they were teaching their kids. Yeah. And I think what's really important there is that, you know, you were listening to that and hearing that and under, understanding that. Um, and it's a perspective that, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily have thought of because I don't have a large uh, number of folks that have, uh, you know, there's not an army base by my school. So I wouldn't think of that, but yeah, when you're telling a, a student, there's no good reason to fight, but their parents training to fight to protect right. our country. <laughs> yeah. That's a big conflict of, uh, you know, in a child's brain. My, yeah. my mom and dad are training to fight to, to protect my country, but my school is telling me there's never a reason to fight. Hold on. What, that doesn't make any sense to me. And so finding the, the middle ground where that lays and trying to, to find a, a happy medium as to when is the right time to fight. And those are ongoing conversations. Hey, those are ongoing conversations that grownups have uh, in, in government and in the world all the time. When is it okay to fight? And when is it our time as a country, for example, to step in and help someone out, which might mean we have to fight? Yeah. Yeah. Very good. So uh, the last question I ask is what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you, Matt? Well, I may, um, I may have given this answer last time, but it bears repeating. So I'll say it again, because it's the most important thing I think that I do. And that is to get into every single classroom every single day. And I, and I make it a habit to do that. It's a habit. We're all, you know, governed by our habits and getting that habit. The most important thing that happens in any school is what happens in the four walls of that classroom. So when I hear principals who say they don't have time for that, I don't understand that because it's the most important thing that happens in the school is in those classrooms. And that's where the magic happens too, because I'm going to tell you, that's the best part of my day is mm -hmm. when I can get into classrooms. Um, you know, I go and visit every single day and there are times in my day where maybe some, some meeting happened or I'm frustrated about something. And I will say, I got to go visit kids. I got to get into classrooms. And so to be a transformative principal, I think you have to know what's going on in your classroom. It helps you know the kids it helps you know your teachers and their strengths and their weaknesses. And I believe that I know my teachers pretty well. And at the end of the year, when I talk to them and we meet for our summative meetings, I always say, well, if, I, if you're doing something and I didn't know about it, that I didn't do a very good job because I better be in there seeing the things that you're doing because what you do in your classroom is the most important thing that happens in a school. It's way more important than any meeting I have. It's way more important than any phone call or email I have. What happens in the classroom is so important. And so if you want to be a transformative principal gang, get out there and get into the classrooms. And if you can do it every classroom, every day, and uh, I don't care how big your building is, uh, do it, make it a habit, make it something that's a part of who you are. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, what you said last time was get out and be where the kids are. So the theme of getting out of your offices is still happening. So that's good. Uh, want to let people know if they want to follow you on Twitter. It is at, at Moyer Matthew D. Is that right? That is correct. Okay, great. Uh, thanks so much, Matt, for being part of Transformative Principle. Great to talk to you today, and I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.